want to continue and actually continue and conclude our series titled Faith Forward. And you can really sum up <clears throat> what we've been talking about for the last several weeks with a minor interruption about having a faith that's greater than fear. A faith that's greater than fear. Today I want to talk to you about what's next. What's next? You know, as I was thinking about it, I was thinking about all the first-time students. How many parents sent your kid off to the school for the first time this year? Yeah, okay, so how many of you sent them to a new school this year? How many of you sent them away to college, university this year? I mean, all these new beginnings, all these places and everything. Oh, I can't do that. I just sent them to kindergarten. I don't even want to think about middle school. I don't even want to think about junior high. I don't even think about high school and college. I, 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 I recognize that. And so in some ways, when we think about what's next, we're, we're actually considering, well, what are the things that we're excited about? You know, and at the same time, as many of you were excited about your children going back to school, many of you were hesitant about your children going off to school for the first time. So when we talk about what's happening next or what's on the way next, we're talking about sometimes being excited and sometimes we're talking about being hesitant and sometimes, to be really truthful, we're just talking about the unknown because we know that life just around the next corner, the next bend, is going to continue, and we're going to be surprised. And so the question I want to help us consider this morning is simply this. What will we do in the midst of excitement or hesitation or the unknown to appropriately embrace the question, what's next? Faith moving forward, faith greater than fear, has to be positioned in such a way that we find a base or a foundation that's greater than ourselves. And I'm going to talk to you about that today. And to do that, I want to take you to uh, the book of Joshua, chapter 14. Uh, some of you are familiar with this story. And, and in the midst of this story, we're sort of at the end of the story. We're sort of at the end of the story. And uh, <clears throat> I want to talk to you first uh, from the whole perspective. The whole perspective is this. Uh, our attitude should be the attitude of Caleb when facing his next step in life. And it's simply connected to uh, the, the verse of the day is simply Joshua 14, 12a, and it simply says this, the words of Joshua, he says, he says, if God goes with me, I will. If God goes with me, I will go. So let's read Joshua chapter 14. I'm reading from the message today. Uh, and uh, and uh, we're going to read it here. The people of Judah, let me get over here because I didn't put it in my notes. The people of Judah came to Joshua Gilgal, Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, spoke. You'll remember what God said to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me back at Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of God, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. Stop for just a second. This is uh, the children of Israel had come out of Egypt and they were headed to what was called the promised land. When they get ready to cross over into the promised land, uh, Moses says, you, could, you, you should go and check out the land that God has promised you. And so they chose one person from each of the 12 tribes. They sent a group of 12 to investigate uh, the land 
uh, of, of promise. And so God chooses Moses, and Moses chooses men, and they send out people to uh, spy on or to take a look at the land of Kadesh Barnea. And Caleb was one of those gentlemen who was sent. And he says, And I brought back an honest and accurate report. My companions who went with me discouraged the people, but I stuck to my guns totally with God, my God. You remember the 12 went out and only two of them came back with a good report? Uh, Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report. The other ten said, oh, wow, these guys are giants, and we look like ants. We look like little people. They are powerful. We agree that the land is filled with plenty and good, but they are too great for us. And, and in essence, they were saying not only too great for us, they're too great for our God. But Joshua and Caleb said, well, we, we think we should go forward. My companions who went with me discouraged the people, but I stuck to my guns totally with God, my God. That was the day that Moses solemnly promised, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance. You and your children's forever. Yes, you have lived totally for God. Now look at me. God has kept me alive as he promised. This is Caleb. God has kept me alive as he's promised. It's now 45 years since God spoke these words or this word to Moses. Somebody do your math really quickly. How old is he? 85. 85. He's a spring chicken. <laughs> and here I am today, 85 years old. I am strong, as strong as I was in the day of Moses that, that he sent me out. I am as strong as ever in the battle, whether coming or going. So give me this hill country that God promised me. You yourself heard the report that the Anakim were there, these giants, with their great fortress cities. If God goes with me, there it is, verse 12, if God goes with me, I will go. I will drive them out, just as God said. Joshua blessed him. He gave Hebron to Caleb, son of Jephthah, as an inheritance. Hebron belongs to Caleb, son of Jephthah, the Kenizzite, still to the day because he gave himself totally to God, the God of Israel. What's next? What's next? As we look at what's next in our lives, whether it's with excitement or whether it's with hesitation or whether it's with unknown, I think there are some things that we can learn from the life of Caleb as he was considering what was next in his life. And so our attitude is, if God goes with me, I will. And there's four points on your listening sheet that I want to talk to you about the attitude with which we go into the future, our next step forward. And so simply as this, if God goes with me, I will move forward in simple and faithful obedience. If God goes with me, I'll move forward in simple and faithful obedience. You see, the first venture that Joshua and Caleb had into the promised land was a, an adventure of expectation, an adventure of exploration. As a matter of fact, back in Numbers chapter 13, verses 27 through 30, when we hear the first account, uh, he, he says this, verses 27 through 30, and Moses gave this account, we went into the land which you sent us. Uh, this is Caleb giving Moses the account. We went into the land you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit, but the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. 
And then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for certainly we can do it. The interesting thing was that Joshua and Caleb, Caleb is the voice that's speaking here, says, If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, we should just move simply forward in faithful obedience, but believing these things. Here, here was the foundational belief for Caleb. He had this notion that if God had called them, and he was thoroughly convinced of that, he was thoroughly convinced that God had called them. Remember, he was one of those who escaped the grip of Pharaoh out of Egypt. He had seen the powerful, mighty hand of God release them from the grip of Pharaoh. He says, we know that God has called us because he's released us from the hands of Pharaoh. If God has called us, he's released us, he's also sent us. You see, when they left Egypt, they weren't just headed to nowhere. They were headed to the place that God had prepared for them. And I believe that God's at work in our lives together, not to just take us somewhere, but to the place that he's preparing for us, to the place that allows us to grow, to the place that allows us to experience all the life that God has for us. And so if God called us, he's with us. If God called us, he sends us. If God called us and sends us, the next logical thing is simply this. He'll go with us. He'll go with us. They were wholly confident that because God had called them, because God had sent them, that God would go with them. I want you to just take a really deep breath. I'm guessing that I'm talking to people who have stepped into next opportunities in life that were really challenging. But you were exactly like Caleb. You had confidence that God called you. You had confidence that God had sent you. Today I want to call you to confidence that God is with you. He's with you. He's with you. He's with you. He's with you, no matter how dark, how bleak, how big the opposition, how great the challenge. God is with you. And we need to receive that with simple faith and obedience. God called you. God sent you. God is with you. And if he is with you, he is at work to fulfill his promise to you and through you. Take heart. Take heart. Because no matter where you are, God is with you. And he is faithful to fulfill his promise to you and through you. Almost 20 years ago, in the strangest of ways, God put in my heart to plant a church in Pearland, Texas. I won't tell you the story of how it worked, but it was just really weird and strange. But I knew God was in it. And I, I want to say to you, along the way, there have been dark times. Along the way, there have been great opposition. But one thing I'm confident of and have always been confident of, confident of is simply that God called us, God sent us, God 
is going with us and it is he who will fill his promises to us and through us. And corporately, I believe that, but I also believe that for you individually. I, I know some of you are taking on new challenges right now, and you're wondering, how in the world did I get myself into this? Let me remind you, some of you got yourself into it following the obedience in call to, to respond to God. I mean, you're in it because you're following God, and so I'm going to remind you, he's with you, he sent you, he's called you, and he will never leave you alone. If God goes with me, I'll move forward. If God goes with me, I'll move forward in simple and faithful obedience. The other thing is, if God goes with me, if God goes with me, I'll identify him as my true source of strength. If God goes with me, if God goes with me, I'll identify my true source of strength. And that, that's God. Verses 10 and 11, now then, just as the Lord promised, here it is, just as the Lord promised, he's kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. How many have been on life support with Jesus? Can I just tell you that's the only way to live? That, that's really the only way to live because truly, 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 our true source of strength is the life of God that flows through us. We deceive ourselves when we believe that we are self-made because we are not. And as long as we identify our true source of strength, we'll be encouraged knowing that we will go because God will go with us because he is our true source of strength. As a people, as a people, as individuals, we absolutely must never forget our true source of power. It comes from without, and it flows to within, and from us it flows out of us to give life to us and to others. This is the life of the Spirit. This is the calling of God. This is what he's doing in and through us. Our true source of strength is in Christ, in Christ alone. Let me remind you that not only as individuals is our true source of strength in Christ, but as a church, we must be those who are always connected and attached to our true source of strength. I think of Caleb saying, for all these years, for these 45 years, God has kept me alive. And then I love what he says, not only has he kept me alive, but I'm as strong now as I've ever been. You see, when we understand our true source of strength, age doesn't matter. Age doesn't matter. Age doesn't matter. I, can I tell you something? I think I did the math the other day. I think there are probably fewer days in my future than there are in my past. I'm just sort of calculating how old I am now. I don't think I'm going to make it to 122. Nah, 
I might, but I sort of doubt it. So the simple math tells me, the simple math tells me that the days of my future are less than the days of my past. But because they're less does not mean they are less meaningful, less vibrant, less empowered, less called, less directed, less given to the glory of God. Because if we stay attached to our true source of strength, we live in Him and we move in Him, and in Him we have our very being. And so whether you're 40, and I should say 14, or 24, or 40, or you just keep counting the numbers you like, as long as God is at our side and inside of us as our strength, our lives can be vibrant, fruitful, and have meaning, 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 deep, deep meaning. Our attitude is not just if God was with me, I'll move forward with simple and faithful obedience or I'll move forward identifying my true source of strength. But our attitude is also this. If God goes with me, I'll dare to ask for my next assignment. If God goes with me, I'll dare to ask for my next assignment. This is where the King James... <clears throat> says it in the best way, I think. When he gets to the hill country, the King James says, the Caleb says, I want the land you've promised me. And then he says, basically, give me that mountain. Not just the hill country, give me that mountain. You see, Caleb knew that his life wasn't over yet, that he hadn't fully received all that God had promised him. And he simply said, he simply said this, he said, I want my next assignment. I want the next opportunity. I want the next faith-filled opportunity to see God at work in me and through me, to see him faithfully bring life to me and life to others. Let me ask you, let me ask you, what's your next assignment? What's your next assignment? Where's God at work in you and through you? When was the last time that you sort of took an assessment of your life in God? What's your next assignment? What's your next assignment? What's your next assignment? I don't have a clue what it is for you. And I'm trying desperately to discern what it is for me. Because what I've understood is that what I've done is not what's important. It's what yet I will do that's important. Because God isn't finished with me, nor is he finished with you. As you think about your individual next assignment, I ask this question of myself all the time. And that's simply not as what my next assignment, what is that? But as I look at us and those who are gathered today and those who aren't with us today, which uh, is large numbers that are here and large numbers that aren't here, I, I regularly ask this question, 
what's our next assignment? This community, this community, this people of faith, the, the people called the, the Vineyard Church Pearland, what's our next assignment? Interestingly enough, I think I have a clearer picture of what our next assignment is than what I have of my own assignment, although I think I've got some ideas about what my future looks like. Can I talk to you about what I see as our next assignment? Can I talk to you about what's next for us? You see, I believe that's what's next for us is that together we are going to discover what it looks like, what it looks like to send deeper roots into our community. Let me help you understand what I'm talking about. When I talk about sending deeper roots into our community, I'm talking about having a greater kingdom impact. What's a greater kingdom impact? Look at the opening chapters of Luke when Jesus says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news. And then he begins to talk about all the places in which you'll preach good news to the poor, to the blind, to the lame, to the imprisoned. And then he says, and I will proclaim the year of favor of our God. See, when we talk about having deeper impact in our community, the kingdom impact, then we're those who proclaim the good news of Jesus to those who are bound up, to those who can't see, to those who are feeble and weak, to those who are held in, pra- in captivity and imprisonment. And we're going to, complain, we're going to, to, to proclaim, I guess we could complain, but that would be a bad thing. <laughs> we're going to proclaim that God's favor rests on all men. Can I just tell you, God loves you. God loves you. He cannot love you more than he already does, and he will not love you less. But let me say something bigger. I am so glad that God loves you, and I am so glad that God loves me, but I want to tell you, God loves everybody. God loves everybody. Everyone is included in the love of God. No one, not a single one, is excluded from the love of God. And this is the good news. This is the good news that we have to share, and that is God is not angry, but He is loving and kind and compassionate and longs to welcome you into being part of his incredible family. You're included, and I'll say it clearly, you're included if you want to be. You're included if you want to be. Listen, I, I recognize you can resist, you can kick, you can, you can, you can be drugged, but uh, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, if you want to be included, you're in. You're in if you want to be. The other thing I'm, 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 I'm certain about is, is our, our next assignment is not only to send deeper roots into our community. Listen, let me pause and say, we're so excited about the new building that we're building. That's just a tool. That's just a tool. It's not the church. Okay, buildings have never been the church. They're a place where the church gathers. They're a place where the church gathers. See, the interesting thing to me is simply I'm looking at the church. And the church is gathered today and the church is scattered today. And that's the way it always should be.
See, the new building we're building is awesome, but it's only an outpost of opportunity for us to send deeper roots into a community for kingdom transformation so that people hear the good news that God loves them and longs for them to be part of his family. In addition to that, I just say really, really quickly, I know that God's calling us. I know that God's calling us to be a multi-generational expression of love. I love looking across this room. And I see, earlier I saw that some of our younger ones have gone, but I know where they've gone. They've gone down the hallway to classes. But I love seeing the youngest to the oldest gathered. I love seeing the breadth, the breadth, of generations gathered to worship. But I also know not only are we called to be a multi-generational expression of God's love, I'm absolutely committed that we're to be a little bit of heaven on earth. Let me be clearer. God's called us to be a multi-generational community, and he's called us to be a multi-ethnic community. Every tribe, every language, every nation, every people. Because that's what the end looks like. And if the end looks like that, I'm going to ask for the end to come now. Father in heaven, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come here and now, right here and now, through us, multi-generational, multi-ethnic. I want us to be a church, and I'm committed to being a church for our next assignment to be a place where everyone is all in. No standing on the sidelines. No fans, but all participants. Everyone is all in. Everyone gets to play. And when everyone is all in and everyone gets to play, no one gets left out. No one is cast away. No one is set on the sideline. Everybody gets to participate. I'm positive that that's what our next assignment looks like. You say, well, haven't we already been trying to do that? Yes. Yes. But I'm more positive than ever that this is the call of God for us into our future. I'm positive that this will demand of us that we are people who are experiencing the transforming love of Jesus by the power of his Spirit who changes us from the inside out. Who makes us love more and hate less. Who breaks the barriers and divisions that exist within our hard, cold hearts. And I need my hard, cold heart to be broken for a greater measure of love for everybody. We're called to be a place that as we experience the transforming love of Jesus, we are intentionally creating space for new believers. I'd love for this to be a birthing center, a birthing center for new believers. I, I look forward to the day that not a week goes by, but that someone is discovering that they're included and invited to belong to the family of God, and we're we're the ones who are telling them that the door is open, that the arms of Jesus are held open wide, and that they're welcome. And they say yes to that welcome. I'm looking forward to that day that every week somebody's expressing that they have discovered the love of Jesus and they're now following him. I'm also looking forward to the day where not only are new believers transformed by the love of Jesus 
and that they're coming to understand his great love every day, regularly, weekly. But I'm also really committed to the idea that we're those who are creating space for followers of Jesus to grow. Followers of Jesus to grow. Here, there's an old song. We won Old School Vineyard today, that last song that we sang. And Stephen pulled one out from the mothballs, man. You've you, you been around in the 80s, you could have known that one. But here's, here's what I... Here's what I want to do is I want to reference another old song because this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like for followers of Jesus to grow. Simple praise. More love, more power, more of you in my life. More love, more power, more of you in my life. Man, who doesn't need more love? Who doesn't need to experience greater love of Jesus? Right? I do, knowing that he loves me. But you know what? The, the more I know that he loves me and that his love will never run out on me, the more love I can give away to others knowing that the source will never run dry. Which then leads me to receiving love and knowing that love allows me to fully risk in faith believing that God will flow through me by the power of his love to transform me and others. More love, more power, more of you in my life. That's cyclical. I give it out, give it away, it comes back to me. I give it out, I give it away, it comes back to me. It comes through me, to me, for my good, and through me for the good of others. That's what this is all about. This is what, this is what our next assignment is. It's not a new assignment. It's an old assignment that we're doubling down on, trying to be clearer than we've ever been before, that this is what God is doing in and through the Vineyard Church in Pearland. That's what I believe God's calling us to next. And then finally, our attitude is simply not only simple faith and obedience or discovering our true source of strength or daring to ask for our next assignment. Let me, let me stop before I go on. For us to have a corporate assignment, each of you has a part to play. So I don't, know, I don't know what your part is, but every one of you all in has a part to play in what I just said about what we look like corporately. Everybody's in. Everybody gets to play. No one's left out. No one's overlooked. No one's excluded. But then if, as we live that way, our attitude brings us to the attitude of Joshua. Interestingly, Joshua and Caleb were contemporaries. It's true that in the story, Joshua ascends to a higher place of authority than does Caleb, a higher place of notoriety. Joshua is a much more prominent figure in the story than Caleb is. And you know, sometimes power... Uh, goes to our heads and makes us think more of ourselves than we ought and we get a little bit too high of an opinion of ourselves and, 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 and I just want to point out to you that in the story of Joshua and Caleb that uh, that never happened to Joshua and here's, here's how I know it didn't happen to him because in verse 13 it says that Joshua blessed Caleb son of Jephthah and gave him Hebron as, inherit, as his inheritance. 
our right attitude is if God will go with me, we don't ever have to get greedy, stingy, and covetous about the things God gives. We don't have to try to hold on them to them to ourselves. And so here's what I understand. Our attitude simply is this. If God goes with us, we'll freely give our blessing to others. We'll freely give our blessing to others. See, Joshua didn't have any need to take what was Caleb's or to withhold it from him. I want us to get to the day that we don't have any need to withhold anything from anyone if we have the power to give it, if we have the power to bless it, if we have the power to come alongside. There's no reason for us. There's no reason for us to try and hoard and hold the things of God because they were given to us for the purpose of transforming us so that we could be a part of giving them away to others so that they'll be transformed. And here's what I want us to understand. God's calling us to be a church that's a greater blessing than we've ever been before. We've got a good history. I'm happy about our history. I feel really good about our history of blessing other people. But it's just the beginning. Just the beginning. I don't know what's next, but I know God's called us to bless other people.